think we need a new Tuesday guy intro. Some type of maybe. Can we have trumpets and stuff? (laughs) 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 Welcome to No Compromise Radio. Mike Abendroth with Pastor Reverend Sergeant Senior Steve Cooley. And the Tijuana Brass. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever watch uh, Herb Albert and all that when you were growing up? No. Did you listen to Lawrence Welk? No. Watch Lawrence Welk? No. no. Did you watch Starsky and Hutch? <laughs> I, you know, my dad had a thing with fake cop shows. I mean, really, really, he did not like them. So One Adam 12? No. Well, he liked that one more because at least the guys were in a radio car and it seemed relatively reasonably, possibly real. How about the detective shows, kind of Kojak and oh, yeah, Columbo? We went, yeah, we, I think we watched a lot of that stuff, so... You're old enough to know Mannix. Did it, did it, did it, did it, do? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Joe Mannix. Beretta. Yeah. Oh, no, no. What was that? What was it called? Beretta? Yeah. The, what was that? Uh, and, and, and he got like, accused of murdering somebody in real life. Well, only because he did it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he have a parrot or a parakeet or something like that? Yeah. What was shoulder. his name? I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. All right. That. I can't yeah. either. What, what we do know is preaching, hopefully. That's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> what, what we do know is preaching. That's why we went to seminary. <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit about preaching because it was in my, in my, in my mind, Steve. All right, it's coming up on Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, this show will probably play after Easter, but that's okay. It's, it's, we're getting ready for next Easter. I'm trying to plan ahead more in ministry, so this will go a long way. What do we do when we're preaching through books of the Bible and all of a sudden a special holiday comes up? What's, what's our strategy? Mother's Day. <laughs> I mean, I've been here, what, 26 years now, and I have to have 26 different Mother's Day messages? I, I mean, have a special how... Mother's Day message. It's from Isaiah 53. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do Proverbs 31, and then you go, hmm, maybe that's a Proverbs 31 man. Maybe it's something else. And then you do Hannah, right? First Samuel chapter 2. Hannah, she's a wonderful woman. And then you do... Uh, the Magnificat. The... <laughs> yes. And then you do the couple of the ladies that are quarreling in Philippians 4. That's always a good Mother's oh. Day message. <laughs> then you do one about deacons' wives. <laughs> are, are these wives of deacons? Are they deaconesses? That's always a good one for Mother's Day. Man, that packs them in. Like, let me give you the five reasons why it's not deaconesses, but it's deacons' wives. That, that's... It's, that's my favorite, though, that you ever did was be not like Eve. <laughs> I think it was Eve, comma, be not like. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but seriously, what's, what's the strategy? So this is for people that are listening and their pastors are preaching the Bible verse by verse sequentially, and then they do some special message on Easter or Resurrection Sunday, or maybe they don't. Are both fine? I think both are fine, but I mean, it, if you're going to do a special message, seems to me like Easter Sunday is the Sunday to do it, right? I mean, forget about Father's Day, Mother's Day, Brother's Day, Sister's Day, whatever. I mean, can you imagine if you go by the Hallmark Hallmark holiday uh, calendar, you're never going to do anything other than celebrate holidays. National Cat Day, 
Mm. BLM Day. I mean, they've got all kinds of days, don't they? Boy, those would be some great messages there. <laughs> Today's message is about cats and why you should be thankful for them. Okay, let's think big picture. We would humbly propose that there are 52 special days for Christians uh, every year. I think that's pretty good, yeah. Okay, good. So Lord's Day, and that's the special day, first day of the week, when Jesus rose, when he ascended. Uh, John is writing about the Lord's Day, or he's writing on the Lord's Day. Uh, I think I think some crazy cats named the apostles. I think they worshiped the Lord on the first day, didn't they? Crazy cats. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty hip today. <laughs> But it is certainly appropriate, knowing that there'll be a bunch of unbelievers on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, to maybe make the message a little more evangelistic. Would that be fine? Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, you know, you're going to have people who only come to church on Christmas and Easter. And I don't mean, you know, our church in isolation, but people just kind of look around on as Christmas and Easter approaches. They consider themselves Christians and they think, I should probably go to church. Where's the closest church? Um, and I'm sure we'll we'll have like one or two or three, you know, just kind of wandering in, um, which is fine. And, and so, you know, don't you want to make sure that you're really emphasizing and highlighting the Lord Jesus Christ's life, death, and especially, you know, the resurrection? Yes. Well, Steve, we don't want to read Christ into passages, so we want to just do exegesis preaching for certain topics, certain passages. Uh, for Resurrection Sunday, I like to do a lot of word studies, lexical, syntactical mm. analysis. Mm. Well, you, you know, it's really helpful, especially if you're going to give the congregation a handout, you know, with footnotes. Oh, no, no. I, I, It's Easter, Steve, so we go above and beyond at Bethlehem Bible Church. I give them a diagrammatical analysis of every sentence that I'm preaching. Nice. Yeah, and they get a, they get a handout, fill in the blank for the diagrammat- diagrammatical sentences. So would that include the nominative case? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there are different tenses in the Greek language. Well, in every language, there are different tenses. And in the Greek language, one of the tenses is aorist, A-O-R, aorist. And I always, and there's different kinds of aorists. Right. And so the one that I always like to say is gnomic, the gnomic aorist. It's like mm. a gnome, the gnome aorist. Mm. And we could argue about, well, does aorist mean a point in time? Is it punctiliar or is it something else? Uh, sometimes that's a little much, especially for Easter. But our congregation loves it. <laughs> they Please, more <laughs> grammatical analysis. Can you give us more data? Uh, now, obviously... Grammatical analysis is important, right? In our study, we want to do exegesis and all that, but some of the stuff needs to be on the cutting room floor when we're gonna when we are going to preach. You said gonna the other day and corrected yourself. And I think I said it when I preached last Sunday and corrected myself, and I just did it here. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna do that more often. (laughs) I I just find myself, you know, getting sloppy with the language. Steve, I I hate to say and I do it all the time, instead of to T O to right, I'm gonna go to the store. To the mm. store. Just it's just lazy. Instead of saying I'm going to the store, I'm going to the store. I've never been to Spain. <laughs> <laughs> but I kinda like the music. Yes. Okay. All right. So we're talking about one offs and certainly uh, some 
person might bring their spouse that's not saved, and that spouse might feel, oh, you know what, I should probably go to church that day. What, what do we call the Christians, uh, people that only come Christ, Christmas and Easter only? Sidekicks? No. <laughs> CEOs. Oh, right? okay. Christ, yeah, Christmas and Easter, Easter only. only. Yeah, yeah. 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 But what if we just always do these one-offs and then we say, well, it's, it's, it's Independence Day, it's Memorial Day. You know, we should have a good sermon on Memorial Day about America because this actually is becoming a Christian nation. We have to Christianize it. The Lord needs to come back and we need to help. That'd be a good Memorial Day message, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, my message would be called Only in America. I mean, you know, the real trouble I have with that kind of message is finding a text because it's hard to find the United States of America in the Bible. Well, I think, I think it's in Ezekiel. I think you're misreading it. I think it's... I think it's... When he saw the wheel... <laughs> I mean, listen. There, there's. I mean, we're just being silly here, but I. But I think ultimately, you know, how many special messages do we want to have? And my answer would be not that many. I mean, I. I actually think it's kind of. I, I find it odd, you know, when people rearrange the whole calendar to. Um, kind of do these special messages. Do we really need a Mother's Day message? And what, what? Yeah, sure, we love moms. Right, I mean, I think that's that should be evident all the time, and we shouldn't have to have a special hallmark calendar moment, you know, to to do that, um, you know. But every year we're going to have one, or every Father's Day we're going to have one, and um, so I, I, I just I don't think so. Steve, one time a lady came to me, and it was Mother's Day, and she said. Thanks a lot for talking about the Lord today and not talking about Mother's Day. And this person isn't able to have children. Hmm. And so what do you do if you can't have children? Everything's Mother's Day, Mother's Day, Mother's Day. But if it's the Lord's Day, well, then the Lord can even help you in, like in the Psalms where you're a barren woman, etc. So I just think stopping and starting for all these special holidays I kind of go back to Calvin. Remember, he's exiled from Geneva. He goes to Strasbourg and is there for three and a half years. He comes back to Geneva and he picks up right where he left off in the last verse. That's kind of what we want to do. All right, let's talk a little bit more about preaching, Steve. Give me the strategy that you have for when to bring in systematic theology, when not to. Uh, We're in Isaiah 6, let's say, holy, 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 and you do a whole sermon on the holiness of God, because people don't understand holiness today before we go any farther in or further in the book of Isaiah, and, and we see the tongs and the coal and all that stuff. Where does systematic theology have a place in preaching? Well, I would say it, it helps us just bringing clarity to a topic like this. I mean, when we think about holiness, you know, our first thought is sinlessness, and, you know, which would be enough if we just could imagine Isaiah thinking, oh, the unbelievable sinlessness of God um, in light of his sin. But that's not all that it means. And so I think systematic theology helps us flesh that out. It can, um, you know, bring some quotes where, I mean, I, 
I always go back to this passage. If we just think about Ephesians 4, the fact that Christ has given gifts to the church, meaning men, these teachers, these evangelists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, given gifts to the church for thousands of years, why would we then not turn to them and say, what have these men, you know, said about Isaiah 6 and about the holiness of God and, you know. Steve, the answer is because we only want to hear from the gifts when they're alive. We don't want to hear any dead gifts. We only want to have living gifts. But, and I, I know you're being funny there, but I mean, the reality is, and I say this all the time, we want to act as if we're standing in that long line of faithful men and we're receiving, as it were, the torch from them and passing it on to the next generation. And the way we do that is by actually taking the torch from them, right? By actually receiving that truth stating that truth and giving it to the next generation. Perfect. When I think of systematic theology preaching, I think in my past, I think I went too slow. And the reason why I went too slow is because I was injecting probably too much systematic theology, right? You see the word sin, and then you say, well, there's six Hebrew words and six Greek words for sin, and you go through all those, and what's going on, and Carl Menninger, whatever happened to sin book, and before you know it, it's just a topical sermon on sin. I don't think that's always wrong, but I think maybe it makes us go too slowly. Lloyd-Jones, I think, did that a lot, and I think that's why he would preach through books of the Bible, and it'd take him six years or ten years or something like that. I want to go faster than I normally would in Luke because I'm just picking bigger sections. But Steve, what about systematic theology maybe not injected into our sermons in such a way that it dominates the passage, but getting to your point, it will help protect us from errors and it will help guide us in terms of not just systematic theology, but confessions and creeds. I think they all serve uh, us in a similar fashion. So, we're, 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 we're using them as guardrails and they're informing us, they're behind the text, but it's not, well, every sermon's a, no, a topic now based on a word that's in my passage. Does that make sense? Yes, but and I th- I think you know to just say guardrails is helpful, right? Because it helps us not to exceed those kind of boundaries. But it also can, if, if we just think about it this way, um, if the creeds and confessions sort of give us a, a, a better understanding of what that concept is, and a lot of times they do it in such a concise manner where we don't necessarily need a forty-five minute message just on sin. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that per se, but it would be tough if you just did a, you know, I, Paul, and that's a three-week sermon, and then, you know, uh, an apostle. What's an apostle? And that's another two weeks. And, you know, you just kind of grind along like that. And it can take the listeners completely out of the flow of the book to where they're like, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm learning systematic theology, but I'm not learning anything about whatever this book is. Great point, because we learned about Paul, we learned about apostle, we learned what grace is, we learned what peace is, we learned what <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ is and God the Father, but the flow of it and, and what Paul's doing. I mean, everybody knows this, but when you get Ephesians out, it's meant to be read all six chapters at one time. Right. Or Hebrews, all, you know, the whole, the whole thing, at, the whole 13 chapters at one time. And so, so, you know, why would you think, well, I need to 
I, I'm again. I think it's fine sometimes where you you just and this is something we don't often talk about, but sometimes we're just convicted in our own study of something so deeply, right? To where I don't want to stop talking about this because it's had such a profound effect on me. Why would I think that it wouldn't have any effect on you, right? So I think it's good and right and proper for the preacher having been convicted in his own mind and in his own soul by the Holy Spirit of something to then, you know, preach that to the congregation. Talking about preaching today and listening to sermons, don't you think listening to sermons is is worship? Absolutely. I mean, that's right. the biggest part of worship, probably with most churches that run in the circles that we run in, where it's 45 or 50 minutes where you're listening actively. Any suggestions on how to listen to sermons better? Well, I mean, there are a number of ways. I mean, you start by taking notes. You know, you can start also, you know, by listening and kind of trying to understand how this passage fits into the flow and listening to the the, the points that are being made, et cetera. I, I just think there is a way of helping yourself listen. Like, I, I mean, I, I have a number of things that I do to just kind of stay tuned in. Um and if I find my, because it's easy to find yourself sort of getting distracted. Uh, one of the things I do, and, and this is just like a no-brainer, I leave my phone in the office, right? I, I don't want my phone there. I mean, if, if we're traveling somewhere where I have to use the Bible on the computer because I don't want to take my five-pound Bible with me. Um, <laughs> the nine-pound preacher Bible. Then that's fine. And I'll just tell myself, okay, Steve, while this preaching is going on or whatever, do not, you know, use your phone for anything else. And it's a matter of self-control, basically. Don't do it. Don't do it. Steve, I think this is really important. We started talking about preaching, but now listening to preaching. I sit with my phone when I'm visiting, traveling, and it is all I can do not to check that little notification that just came up that I've got mail or, you know, I'm thinking to myself, maybe even properly. I have children and they're grown, yes, but I have some daughters that aren't married and they're overseas or are they trying to get a hold of dad? Or that is, that is a hard thing to do. It's better to just have your phone off, real Bible in front of you. That's a good way to listen. Well, I mean, one of the things I do is I've shut off all notifications except for uh, email from certain people. Uh, you know, I will confess you are on that list, but... Uh, I know. But other than that, I don't, and, and especially when I'm when I'm at church, I just go into airplane mode. I just don't, I don't want any, you know, and I shut it off to silence. I just do everything I can to just be detached from, um, from the e-world, as it were. And, you know, when we're here, like I said, I just leave my phone in my office because I just don't, I don't want that thing even there as a temptation. Amen. We're talking about preaching a little bit today on No Compromise Radio with Pastor Steve, the Tuesday guy. Steve, we both preach here. Give me your strategy for picking books of the Bible. Uh, you're, you usually don't pick a book that I'm preaching through. You pick something else. So at least yeah, I know that much. 
<laughs> I'm still mad at you that you picked John because I wanted to pick John, but I'm sure I'll fall in love with Luke as much now, as I love John. You see, you can say you're mad at me. Maybe I should have gotten in writing because I do ask you, hey, you know, can I do this? And you say, sure, go ahead. No, no, Steve, long COVID. I'm just full of excuses now. I can't remember. I read the Jocko book, No Excuses, but I, I forgot it because I had long COVID. So yeah. here's my excuse. Yeah. Here's your excuse. <laughs> okay, so there's, you know, there's one pulpit, and if I'm gone or whatever, you've got books of the Bible to preach through. I think one thing that you do well is you don't do a bunch of one-offs. If I'm gone, right, I'm going to go see Gracie's graduation soon. I'm gone for a week. You could do one-offs here and there, which is fine, but you normally pick a book of the Bible and start preaching through it. How many books of the Bible have you preached through even as an associate on Sunday mornings? I I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's... Quite a, quite a few. I first mean, I, Peter, yeah. Second Peter, yeah. John. First, first Timothy and John, and I. I don't know. You know, I'd have to go through my notes. I I just don't really remember. Um, but but you know, talking about one offs. I mean, I mostly try to. But here, let me let me just you know dog myself here. Like let's say because I'm usually preaching during the summer, right? So then let's say, you know, you're going to miss a week in December or something like that. Well, I'm not going to go back to the book that I'm in for that one week, you know, months after when I'm thinking, well, I mean, not preach for another several months. So uh, sometimes like in that or like when you were in the hospital, not know or and then even when you got out, not knowing how long I was going to be going, I, I just thought, well, I could start Acts now, but do I really want to? And so there were several weeks where I would just pick pick one you know spot and just go oh this is good and this preaches easily you know it's amazing after you've been preaching through a narrative to go back to the epistles and just go I can knock this right out. I mean, <laughs> Steve, as you know, I started the Gospel of Luke, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to kill me in terms of study with the narratives and huge sections, huge chapters. Be- because it's one thing, like any any anybody can you know grasp what a narrative is saying, right? That's not the point. The question is always, and this this is what until you've had to preach, this is what you don't get. How does it preach, right? And part of that, and the great thing about going through a narrative is you and I could preach, not that we should, but we could preach exactly the same passage on the exact same Sunday, and people would go, that was, a, that was amazing. Not that you know both sermons were amazing, because yours would be amazing, mine would be sub-amazing, but the point would be that we would each have a slightly different take on it, emphasizing slightly different things, and it would almost sound to the people like they heard two completely different sermons because they did, even though they were both true and they are both out of the same passage. Unlike, let's say, Romans 5, the right. benefits of justification, while we might phrase things differently, our sermons should be pretty much the same. They, they would have to be pretty close. These yes. are the benefits of justification, peace with God, access... Hope, joy, et cetera. And, and we might, you know, like you said, we, we might emphasize different parts of it. You know, I'm, I might jump on one part of it and you might jump on another part of it. Or you might, you know, develop all of it brilliantly and I might just camp out on one point endlessly and people might go, Steve, can you move on, please? You know, um, but, the, but the point is, yeah, they, they would be more similar than what we might see in a narrative. When you go to a website of a church and you're checking out the church, maybe you look at the pastor's education, and then you look at their statement of faith, and then you go to the sermons. 
and you're looking for, you know, Luke 1, Luke 2, Luke 3, Luke 4, oh, here's a one-off, then Luke 5, Luke 6, etc. What, what, what do you think, Steve, when you go to a church and you go to the sermon section and it's got uh, cool graphics, six to eight-week sermon series, and that's all they do. It's just 50 of those on their website, eight-week series on following Jesus or an eight-week series on the one another's. Why why is that popular, and what's wrong with it, or potentially wrong with it? Well, I, I can see why it's popular from a preaching standpoint. You know, this is like the proverbial shooting fish in a barrel, because I could, I could easily prep one of those, you know, in three, four hours on a Saturday afternoon and be ready to, you know, ready to go on Sunday morning. That's, it's simple, right? All I need is my overall strategy, and then boom, I'm, I'm, I'm off to the races. So those kind of basically topical kind of sermons are super easy. Um, so I, I think it's good from that point from why are they popular? Because I think they're easy to listen to. You know, if, if the guy's shifting verses all the time and not demanding much of the congregation, I think they're super easy to listen to. They can be fun, you know, um, they, I and I think it's really an opportunity for the the pastor to just kind of show off, as it were, his personality. So I think there's that too. So I can see why they're popular. Steve, I don't want to do those for lots of reasons, and you mentioned some of the reasons, but here's another reason why I don't want to do those, is I think there is obviously something to be said for preaching through books of the Bible and preaching them well, Christ-centered, not so slow, you know, etc. But what if I had to pick every eight weeks what I was going to be preaching again? I, I at least know, okay, today is Luke 1, verse 4. Next week is f- chapter 1, verses 5 and following. While it might be hard, I have no choice. Put your head down, do the work. At least yeah. I know what I'm going to be preaching. Well, let me give you the counter to that. The counter is, you know, if you do this kind of topical stuff, you could basically set up eight or 10 topics, and then just sort of plan the whole year like that. Well, I guess you could, but I don't want to do that because then things are going to revolve around topics, around my personality, around my pet peeves, my theological pet peeves. By the way, we all have them. But but see, you don't get it. This, this way, you can get your thousands you know, of followers because they like your personality. They like to hear you ramble. You know, but that's what NOCO is for. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, did you know, technically and formally, we're influencers? Are you kidding? <laughs> See what I said there? Kidding? I'm going to say kidding when you go to the store. Are you kidding? Steve, you grew up in California and I grew up in Nebraska, but both of us, I think, talk the same way. Neither of us have accents. Both of us say gonna. That's sad. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's sadder for you because Californians should be more erudite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's what's another word for speaking well? Well, uh, they, they well should, their, their diction should be better. Yes, we should be well enunciated, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why you p- pick the Book of Acts to preach through. You're in Acts chapter four now. Is that true? Uh, Acts chapter five, actually. Thanks for keeping up. Oh, Ananias uh, and Sapphira. Yeah, they're already dead. Um, we already buried them. 
Did you think they were believers or unbelievers? I, you know, it's hard. It's hard for me to say. I want to. I want to say. I want to say that they are believers, but it, you know, I can't. I can't find any conclusive evidence one way or the other. I. I think they may have been believers who just fell into a. Uh, a really bad way of thinking, and uh, you know, thought they could pull one over on. It, I think the thing is, they thought they were just going to be, you know, fooling Peter, or you know, fooling these these uh, uneducated um, Galileans, and not really thinking that they were going to be lying straight to God. For their sakes, I hope they were Christians. Yes. Right? Yeah. But either way, it doesn't really matter to me. I, I, it does make me think, if they were Christians and believers, the dictum that of it, a Christian can commit really any sin. There's no sin that a Christian can't commit. Well, I, I think it certainly shows, you know, regardless, because they, they knew about the miracles, they knew all these kind of things, and even in spite of that... They were still willing to to sin in this way, so I mean, even even if they were unbelievers, they should have had the sense to just think maybe, maybe we should not try to pull the wool over their eyes since uh, these guys are healing people and you know doing all these wonderful things that only God can do. The show is needing to be wrapped up, Steve, but I would like to know why you picked Acts because. Well, I'm, I'm preaching Luke. You're preaching Acts. Same author. I, short answer is because it was the next book after John. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. I, well, and you know what? I just thought I thought it would be interesting to just kind of w- walk through the early church, watch the acts of God. I mean, much like because I I thought I enjoyed John a lot because I, it really made me feel not just closer to Christ, but like I. I understood some of his, in spite of the fact that the the theme is Jesus as God, I felt like I understood his humanity maybe a little bit more. And I thought I, I would get to know the, uh, the apostles, especially Peter and then Paul, but get to know them a little bit better as well, you know, as, as I'm, as it were, walking through ministry with them and just watching the struggles. I mean, he, even with Peter and Ananias and Sapphira, I, I can't help but think, you know, obviously he loved these people and that, that you know, it, but here he is pronouncing judgment on them. And I still think, well, that could not have been easy. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Steve, for being on the show today. We talked a little bit about preaching and listening, and I think we're going to have to have a Eight-part series on this now, packaged with real cool graphics. The graphics are a must. Got to have it. Steve, what about the blue lights behind us in the studio and stuff like that? You got to have the blue lights. Uh-huh. Well, just as long as they're not strobe lights so we don't have some kind of stroke or something. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Maybe that's what some of these people do who have the healing crusades. They put the black lights on and the strobe lights. People have seizures, and then they try to heal them. Like easy money.